Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Here we are for another great Wednesday night united. We're believing God for some great things uh, to be said in the spirit and in the spirit realm and uh, believing that uh, your faith is going to be built and uh, your worlds are going to be framed by the Word of God. We're excited about what God is doing and uh, what God is going to continue to do in our midst. Uh, I do have one thing that I want to make you aware of uh, before we get started. Uh, We have received our copies of Every Day is a Faith Day. Uh, This is my newest book. I'm very, I am really very excited about this book. And uh, I think one reason that I'm so excited about it is because it's right in my wheelhouse. This is, this is what God called me to teach. And uh, so they will be available this weekend. Uh, they're at the Kansas location. You can certainly pick one up. And uh, God will bless you, and I believe he'll use it to help you uh, grow your faith. Amen. Second uh, Timothy, uh, actually 1 Timothy chapter 4. And verse 1 is where we want to begin. We want to continue with this series that we've been on uh, entitled, What Has Your Attention? And uh, as I was seeking the Lord about this and uh, inquiring of the Lord as to what he would want me to minister, uh, uh, asking him if we were done with this series or we needed to keep going, I felt very strongly led uh, to continue this series, What Has Your Attention? The Lord said to us concerning 2020 that it would be a year of decision. He said that it would be a year when a stand would have to be made. Now, we've seen that. We've seen that in so many areas. We're seeing that in churches. We're seeing that as the local body uh, making a decision, making a stand. Uh, uh, Pastor Michelle was reading some of the testimonies uh, that we have received Over this year, people talking about financial miracles, things that God is saying to them. Uh, 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 People, I've received countless testimonies about how the message uh, uh, two Sundays ago with Pastor Caldwell encouraged people and built them up and made them see that what is going on is a much bigger picture than maybe what we're aware of in some instances. But nonetheless, it is a time when a stand will have to be made. A decision will have to be made. Uh, It's as those that will stand for the truth or for the word and the principles in the word will find themselves more and more at odds with the world and the world system. All right, we're not only just at odds with the world, the people in the world, we're at odds with the system. The system of fear, the system of bondage, the system of manipulation, we're at odds with that. People of faith will find themselves at odds with the spirit of fear, the system of fear, all right? Because perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. I've got to make a stand for that so I can make a difference in my, my neighborhood. I can make a difference in my family. I can make a difference in the city and in the community that God's placed me in. The fact that you are living a fear-free lifestyle is a comfort to your neighbor even though you may not currently be speaking with them, even though you may not hold conversations regularly. It's a comfort to them because that peace permeates your neighborhood. But I've got to make a stand for it. I've got to make a decision that I'm going to be at peace. Amen? And he said, there will come, if you can imagine, an even greater divide between what is right and wrong. Now, I don't need to tell, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I don't need to tell you that we're seeing that. We're we're seeing an even greater divide between what is right and wrong. And the reason you're seeing that is the enemy's agenda is never satisfied with just making it difficult on people. The enemy's agenda is to totally flip things and change it, and totally revamp it, and totally do away with the system that he's against. 
well, thank God we're part of the church. And Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Amen. He said this will happen as the world continues to give heed to lying spirits and doctrines of devils. The decision to stand for truth and what is right is what will make the difference. The decision to stand for truth and what is right is what will make the difference. 1 Timothy 4, 1, you'll remember it says uh, uh, concerning this, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. Now notice that, that's interesting. They will depart from the faith. They will depart from what they believe. Think about that for a moment. In the perfect context, it's talking about the Christian faith. These people that Paul's talking about will leave Christianity. They will leave the Christian faith because they notice, give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And then these people will begin to speak lies in hypocrisy because their consciences are seared with a hot iron. See, when you start listening to the wrong information, something happens in your conscience. Something starts happening in your thinking, in your thought processes. You start thinking ways that you would have never thought had you not been listening to the wrong voice. Amen. When, uh, uh, as Christians, if we don't put a strong foundation of our values, of biblical values and things such as that in our children, and especially if they go to public school and if they plan on going to a, a, a secular college and even some Bible colleges, if that is not strong in them and they are absolutely convinced and they know what they need to be giving their attention to, I've watched it time and time and time again. I've watched those Christian children be turned and their whole attitude and their whole thinking change because of what they were listening to. What you listen to can be a matter of life and death. What you listen to can be the difference between your success and your failure. It's vital what you're giving heed to, what you're, what you're we, we've talked about these definitions, what you bring near to you, what you turn your mind to, or what you hold your mind towards. Amen. So giving heed to something then is something that I willingly do. No one can make you listen. You have to choose to do it. I've said for years, I've told people, uh, and, and I heard Brother Copeland say this and I just picked it up. I've told people for years that there are crises and problems that the world has went through that I didn't even know was going on because I don't listen to it. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, all that's going on, how can you help but know? Well, I know what's going on, but I don't listen to it, so I'm not affected by it. You don't have to be affected by the fear and the fear seeds. You don't have to be affected by the anxiety. You don't have to be affected by the depression. You don't have to be affected by the problem if you're not giving your attention to it. But who gives their attention to it? You give your attention to it. We turn our minds towards it. Amen. The Phillips translation says they allow themselves to be spiritually seduced. The New English Bible says they give their minds to these things. The Jerusalem Bible says they choose to listen. This is vital. Why? Because it's something that I do. I allow myself. I give my mind. I choose to listen. 
And Paul says that these men would be deceived because they allowed, they gave their minds, they chose to listen to the wrong teaching. That applies to anything that you're listening to. Anything that you're listening to. Everything I listen to must be filtered through the filter of truth. The Word of God. I've got to take this Word and filter everything through this Word. This is what the Word says, and now I don't take the Word and filter it through outside information. I take the outside information and filter it through the Word. This is what the Word said. Now let's take this and put it through the Word. Amen. What does that do? That gives me a foundation of truth. That gives me a foundation of, 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 of covenant that I am running everything through and I'm not just giving my mind to that. My mind is stayed on this and everything else must come through the filter of this. Everything that you hear must pass the word test. If it doesn't pass the word test, you should not be involved in it. Amen. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, all this is going on. What did Paul say? Whatever things are good, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. That doesn't change. Now, people will, will, will quote that and declare that when they're talking about, you know, problems that they may be facing, things that are trying to cause them unrest. The, the size of the problem does not change what you're supposed to do with it. Well, you know, uh, uh, I'm facing this financial challenge, but I'm not going to give my thoughts to it because uh, the Word says you know, uh, 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 to think on the things that are good and, 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 and give my thinking to that. Right. That's exactly what it says. But then something will come that is a, a, a worldwide thing or affecting vast numbers of people and then that thinking changes. But did the word change? Did the command change? Is there a clause there in Paul's writing that said, think on these things as long as it's something small or as long as it's not something that could affect you in a negative way? No. No. My family, he said that you are to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then he went on and said, and whatever things are good, and whatever things are holy, and whatever things are just, and whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are praiseworthy, and whatever things are of a good report, you think on these things. Glory to God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you should not give your attention to certain things. See, I have to give my attention. I have to give my attention. Am I helping you? So be selective about what has your attention. Be selective about what you turn your mind to. They understand this. When you start thinking about something, you're attaching yourself to that. I've said this for years. When you start thinking about something, and you keep rolling it over and rolling it over and rolling it over, your spirit's going to eventually reach out and grab that and bring it in. Why? Because your spirit thinks you want it because you're thinking about it all the time. Amen. I have to be careful what I attach myself to, what has my attention. Because there's things I don't need to bring near to me. There's things I don't need to attach myself to. This, any fear, any anxiety, folks, you should, you should reject that like you reject sin, like you reject profanity, like you reject anything that you were delivered from. 
How many know you were delivered from fear? The Bible says in the book of Romans that you've not been given the spirit of fear, but you've been given the, the, the spirit of adopt, the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you've been given the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. You have been delivered from fear. You've been delivered from anxiety. You've been delivered from oppression in the name of Jesus. And you should keep that away from you just like you keep sin away from you. And just like you keep any other thing that's wrong away from you. Anything that you've been delivered from, you take a stand against. That means you don't give your attention to it. <coughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to James chapter 1. Remember that anything you have to turn your mind to means you have to turn your mind from something else. Amen. So if I'm going to think about a certain thing, it means I have to quit thinking about another thing. Now, in the context of what I'm saying, if you're going to think about destruction and failure in any area, if you're going to think about defeat, you've got to turn your mind from victory and success and life because you can't meditate on two things at once. Something has your attention. And remember we said in the very beginning, the Lord said to us about 2020, it's a year when a stand will have to be made, a decision will have to be made. And he said the decision to stand for truth and what is right is what will make all the difference. How many could raise your hand and say, you've seen a difference in your life this year that you don't see in some people in the world because you've made a decision to stand for the truth? Amen? Hallelujah. Tell your neighbors, I know you stand for the truth. Hallelujah. James chapter 1, and let's start in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, James is talking here about a time when the believer is under pressure. The believer is facing a challenge, or the believer is in need of wisdom. And notice what he says. He says, if this is what you need, ask. One translation says, let him ask the giving God. He says, ask, and he says that if we ask, God will give what we ask. And then he does something. He takes this and he ties our asking to our faith. If you ask, ask in faith. Amen. If you ask, Say it out loud with me. If you ask, ask in faith. The Revised Standard Version says, let him ask in faith with no doubting. The New English says, but he must ask in faith, watch this, without a doubt in his mind. Today's English says, but you must believe when you pray and not doubt at all. Now think about that. James says the thing that will stop our receiving is doubt. So that means there must be no doubting in order to receive. If you need something, ask. If you ask, ask in faith with no doubt. Amen. So what does that tell us? That doubt and faith are two separate things that are mutually, all right, against one another. Faith overcomes doubt or doubt overcomes faith. If you ask in faith, don't doubt. If you're in doubt, you can't ask in faith. 
I know that seems simple. But that's the answer to a lot of people's question. Well, I asked and I didn't receive. Why not? There it is right there. Now, that's a challenge for people because it's, I, I, I'll run into ministers and, and, and they will preach eloquent sermons on how you cannot say that somebody did not receive because they didn't believe. But that's what Jesus said and that's what James said. Remember, I taught for a number of weeks about so-called faith failures last year and how faith doesn't fail and it, it, it's in the book every day's a faith day faith doesn't fail your faith doesn't fail because it's God's faith it comes from the Word of God it's founded on the Word of God and then we go through and talked about reasons for supposed faith failures one of the one of the first reasons we talked about was not believing what you say you believe Amen. If I go to God with the word, hear me, with a declaration, with a confession, but there's doubt in my heart, it, it overrides everything I said. Now, I know that you can have faith in your heart and doubt in your head, but we're, we're talking about when you doubt. When you doubt, it is moved from your head to your heart. I can have doubts up here and faith in my heart, but I'm operating in faith from my heart and not doubt from my head. When doubt gets out of your head and gets into your heart, it overrides every bit of faith you have in you. How do I know that? Because James said, if you lack wisdom, ask and it will be given to you. But if you ask, ask in faith with no doubt, no wavering, why? Because he that doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man, that doubting man, let not that man that's ruled by doubt even think for one moment that he'll receive anything from God. Amen. In, in the Greek, that is something that is, uh, Lord, help me say this right. It's, it's like he's pointing that man out. And it's, and it's not with a, a nice connotation. It's like that guy, that doubt guy, don't let him think he's going to receive anything from God. This is how important it is. Amen. That when you ask, you ask in faith. And so James says the thing that will stop our receiving is doubt. There has to be no doubting in order to receive. The Roost Bible says, But let him be presenting his request in a trusting attitude, not in an expression of that hesitation, now listen, that vacillates between faith and unbelief and inclines toward unbelief. So he's vacillating between faith and unbelief, but he's leaning towards unbelief. In other words, one day I'm here, and the next day I'm here, and the next day, I, but I'm kind of spending more time over here. This person is hesitating. They're vacillating between faith and unbelief. And James states they're inclined towards unbelief. What you're listening to will help determine what you're leaning towards. I say it again. What you listen to will help determine what you're leaning towards. If you talk to somebody and they're leaning towards the defeat and they're leaning towards a uh, 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 the destruction, and they're leaning towards uh, 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 losing and, and not winning, that's what they're listening to. I said that's what they're listening to. Because that's how they're leaning. They're, they're vacillating between faith and unbelief. 
and 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 their their propensity, uh, 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 their 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 leaning is more towards the unbelief realm. That's not us. We're people of faith. So this person's being tossed like a wave between trusting human wisdom and relying on divine wisdom. Notice this. And James said that's evidence of doubt. He's showing us a picture of what it means to be in faith and what it means to be in doubt. And he's showing us what it... what. What are the symptoms of a person believing and a person in doubt? And he says that the symptoms here, the evidence of doubt, is that a person is vacillating between faith and unbelief, and they're kind of leaning towards unbelief. Right? We could say it this way. They're, they're up one day and down the next. They're believing God strong till they hear a report and then they, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? What changed? My family, what changed? The report. Did the word change? No. Did what you believe change? No, it shouldn't have. You will always, uh, Lord, help me say this right. There will always be the opportunity to not believe. I choose whether I take it or not. We have to build our faith to this point where a report about anything that is negative to the Word of God or not in line with the Word of God does not move me. Amen. Very often people quote Smith Wigglesworth, and he said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved by what I believe, and I believe God's Word. Now think about that. As people of faith, we should not be so easily moved from what we believe. Amen. See, you have to make a decision. I'm not leaning towards unbelief. I'm staying with my mind stayed on what God said, and I'm going to keep myself leaning over here on faith, on the Word. This man, notice the Word says, should not even expect to receive anything from the Lord. Notice, let not that man think he shall receive anything. So the context here, the perfect context is James says, if you lack wisdom, ask, and it'll be given. But he said, if you're going to vacillate between faith and unbelief and lean towards unbelief, don't even think you'll receive anything, not just wisdom, anything. From the Lord. Why? It requires faith to receive. Mark 11, uh, 23 and 24. For truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says shall believe and not doubt. If you say and you believe in your heart and you don't doubt. Is that what he said? Let's quote it again. For truly I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, and shall not doubt in his heart, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things he saith shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. What's the reciprocal of that? Truly I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and doubts in his heart, he will not have whatever he says. 
James says, don't think that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. I've told you for a number of years, faith is personal. Your faith is personal to you. Amen. Your faith is personal to you. It's up to me whether I receive or not. It's up to me whether I keep my peace or not. It's up to me whether I keep fear at bay. It's up to me whether I keep anxiety at bay. It's up to me. It, whatever I say, whatever I believe is what's going to happen. And James says, if that person doubts, if that person vacillates, if that person is moved like a wave of the sea, don't let that person think they will receive anything from God. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not you. Look at your neighbor and say, we're strong in faith. Glory be to God. The Roost Bible says, being a dubious, undecided man. Now remember, I, I, I know people don't use the word dubious much nowadays, but, you know, it's a, it's a word that's kind of, uh, 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 it means undecided, kind of dubious about it. You know, if somebody says, hey, you know, are you going to do such and such or do a certain thing? And if a person's being dubious, they're undecided. Eh, well, you know, maybe. I, I, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I can see uh, why I should, but I'm kind of, have you ever used this phrase? I'm kind of leaning towards this. Right? Well, I know, I know God said that, that you know, uh, 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 He would meet all my need. I, I know that God said I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I know that the Scripture says that I have the ability to live a carefree life and have no anxiety and no fear. But, you know, with all that's going on, I'm kind of leaning towards this. James said that man will not receive anything from God. The roost, again, says being a dubious, notice this, undecided man, vacillating in all of his ways. So we decide what has our attention. Let me say this. We can never afford to be undecided. We can never afford to be undecided. Have you ever talked to somebody and you'd say, hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe you have something that's coming up or, or uh, an event. I know we've had events at the church and, and uh, uh, people were signing up, you know, FBIMA, different things. And, and the person in charge of that would be talking to people and say, hey, you know, uh, uh, would you like to come and, and, and be a part of this or, or be a part of this meeting or FBIMA or one of those different things? And they'd say, well, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I haven't decided yet. undecided now what can happen there you can miss out on something if you don't make a decision there's things that I will miss out on and not walk in if I don't decide and what I need to decide is to take God at his word and believe what he says Hallelujah. The enemy makes his greatest advances in an atmosphere of indecision. The enemy makes his greatest advances in an atmosphere of indecision. Why? Because a person who is undecided is, is stationary. Amen. Have you, have you ever been uh, maybe in a mall or a shopping plaza? And Pastor Michelle has used this illustration before uh, uh, about the map that will be there. And, and you go to that map and there will be a red star or a red dot or an arrow or something. And it will say what? You are here. If I can locate where I'm at, then I can get anywhere in that mall from there. 
because it'll show me how to go. Right? That, that is helping me make a decision. Hallelujah. But what about if I'm just standing there and, I, and, and, and there's a, a row of shops this way and a row this way and a row that way and one behind me and I'm just undecided? Well, I, and, oh, what? See, I'm looking different ways, but I'm not moving. I'm not moving. Anything that I need or want could be any one of those directions. But I'm not going to receive any of it because I won't make a decision. Amen. I won't decide what to do. Hallelujah. So the enemy makes his greatest advances in an atmosphere of indecision. Because I have to decide, what do I believe? What do I really have faith in? And then go after it. Take the step. Do what needs to be done. Amen. In uh, Hebrews 11... We have read this scripture countless times in this church. But Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith, faith is the substance. Now faith is the substance. Faith, we've defined it over the years, is the conviction of of the truth of anything, or simply this, being convinced that something is true. Notice that phrase, the conviction of the truth of anything, or this, being convinced that something is true. The word convinced, the word conviction, it does not leave room for hesitation, for vacillation, for double-mindedness, you're convinced. I said you're convinced. Hallelujah. When you got married, if you're married, you've been married any length of time, I should use maybe my wife and I for an example. When we got married, we were absolutely convinced that we loved each other. Absolutely convinced. But I am absolutely convinced now after all these years of marriage, I am absolutely convinced now more than ever. Because what grows with time is conviction. If I'm consistently staying with the Word of God and consistently giving my attention to it, my conviction that it is true, I will become even more convinced about it as time goes on. When you're convicted, when you are convinced, there's no hesitation. There's no uh, double-mindedness. There's no hesitation. Glory be to God. Faith is convinced. Faith is not wavering. Faith does not incline towards unbelief. Faith is not undecided. Faith knows. Faith acts. Faith is conviction. When we're in faith, notice, he said we must ask from the very beginning in faith, nothing wavering or undecided in nothing. Now here's what this means. Either you believe it will work out the way the word says or you don't. There's no maybe, I sort of believe it. No, either you do or you don't. Either God can keep you or God can't. Either God is your healer or God's not. 
Either God is your way maker or he's not. God either supplies all of your need or he doesn't. There, there is no gray area. There is no room for hesitation or indecision or, or, or uh, vacillation. It has to be either God will do what he said or he won't. Hallelujah. Do you see that? There are no Switzerlands with faith. In other words, you cannot afford to be neutral. I said you cannot afford to be neutral. You know, in, 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 in the wars in recent memory, Switzerland has stayed neutral. I don't know how you do that, but they've done it. When, uh, well, let's move on. I, I might t share that with you in a little bit, but notice, for the believer, there are not two options. There's one, the Word. If you are a believer, there are not two options. There's one, the Word. What the word say? When Paul was dealing in Romans and, and, and again in the book of Galatians, and he was talking about the, uh, how God had brought the Gentiles in and, and uh, the promises of God, and he was answering some of their questions. And he, and he said, in both those books, he said, uh, here's the thing. What saith the scripture? What's the word say? What's the scripture say? That's what you always go back to. That is what keeps you centered. That's what keeps you grounded. That's what keeps you where you need to be in faith. What did the Scripture say? Yeah, but it looks this way. But what did the Scripture say? No indecision there. What did the Word say? I believe what the Word said. I believe what God said. I take God at His word. What's the result of that? According to James, receiving what you ask for. What's the alternative? To doubt and what? Receive nothing from God. Faith is convinced. Faith is being convinced. Faith is not wavering. Faith is not undecided. So we have to ask in faith from the very beginning. In faith, nothing wavering. Undecided in nothing. There is no indecision in my life. There is no indecision in your life. We are decided. We are in faith. We are convinced. When we're in faith, there's absolutely no hesitation. No vacillation between two opinions. Why? Because for the believer, there is not two opinions. There's just one. Faith is being positive. Faith is being convinced. Notice in uh, chapter 11, verse 11. It says, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. The Phillips translation says she did this because she believed that the one who had given the promise, she believed that the one who had given the promise was utterly trustworthy. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive seed. That, that, that means she received in her body the word of God through her faith. So revitalized, rejuvenated, resurrected her physical body that her body that was not capable 
of receiving the deposit of seed to produce a child, because of her faith in God, her belief that the one who promised was utterly dependable, amen, her body changed to the point that she could receive the deposit of seed and produce a son. Hallelujah. What she believed, the promise of God was utterly trustworthy. See, that's not vacillation. That's not hesitation. That's not undecidedness. No, he that promised is completely trustworthy. I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have a child. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Now, it took them some years to get there, but they got there. They arrived there to where there was absolutely no doubt about what God said. If, if you look uh, in the book of Hebrews 11, verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise uh, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, and Isaac shall your seed be called. Notice this, don't miss this, of whom it was said. Of whom it was said. They're acting on what God said. They're acting on what God told them, what God spoke to them. Hallelujah. That's what they're acting on. Sarah believed that she could receive seed and give birth to a child because she considered him that had promised utterly trustworthy. Abraham took his son at the time that God asked him. He took him to Mount Moriah and laid him on an altar and was going to offer him on that altar because of what God said. There was no hesitation. And notice, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. So even Abraham's mindset is even if I have to go through with this, even if I have to put the knife in my son's chest, God will raise him up because God said that it was in Isaac that my seed would be called. And at that time, Isaac wasn't married. Isaac didn't have any children. Amen. See, he didn't hesitate. He, he, he wasn't double-minded. He wasn't undecided. God said, take now your son, your only son, and take him to the mountain that I'm going to tell you of and offer him there as a sacrifice to me. And the next verse we see is the next morning Abraham saddled the donkey. Abraham took Isaac and the servants and went where God told him. In what kind of mindset? A weepy mindset? A sad mindset? Nope. Faith does not cry and moan. What are we taught over the years? Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. And all the way to that mountain, Abraham is going in faith because the Bible says, notice, it says right here, by faith, verse 17, he did this. By faith, because of his conviction that what God said to him was absolute truth, Abraham did not hesitate for one moment. He went to do what God asked him to do. Amen. A lot of people never get to that place that Abraham reached, meaning this, that we teach about it and preach about it. When, when God said, okay, don't hurt the boy. And then he said this, because now I know that you believe me. There are still people that God is waiting on to know they believe him. Well, God knows everything, right? He does know everything. But there are people that you know and I know that have yet to take the steps they need to take to prove they believe God. That they're not hesitating. That they're not undecided. That they're not vacillating. That they're not leaning towards unbelief. Amen. Do you see that? And we talk about the ram in the bush. And, and Abraham and Isaac came back down the mountain. They came back down the mountain because of Abraham's faith. Because he refused to hesitate. 
He refused to be undecided. He gave his mind no room to wiggle out of what God told him to do. He just went by faith. Faith is action. Faith is now. Faith is unwavering. Faith is absolutely convinced. Glory be to God. Genesis 21 talks about Sarah. And I want you to see why this is so important. Because notice Genesis 21.1 And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken, as he had said, and as he had spoken. Key words, as he had said, and as he had spoken. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Where did Sarah's faith come from? What he had said, and what he had spoken. Remember something, Abraham and Sarah didn't have a Bible. Genesis, first book of the Bible. They didn't have, they didn't have the rest of the Bible we have. They, they didn't have a, a, an account to go back to and say, well, if God did it for Abraham and Sarah, he'll do it for me. They, they were, Abraham was the father of our faith. He is the blueprint. He is the pattern that shows us how we believe God. Amen. And notice how our natural, or I should say spiritual in where faith is concerned, father and mother operated. What God said is what they believed. Amen. And notice what it says about the Lord. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had spoken. I'm declaring to you tonight that the Lord will visit you like he said, and he will do to you what he spoke to you. It will happen. Why? Because he said it and he spoke it. Now what's your job? Act on what he said. Act on what he spoke. Glory to God. So faith comes by hearing. Notice this. And the faith that comes by hearing is productive by considering him faithful. What God said, he is faithful to do it. So faith comes by hearing and the faith that comes by hearing is productive when you consider him faithful. Oh my goodness. If I ever find myself fearing a thing, I am considering God unfaithful. Amen. If I find myself, and I'm using me, I'm not, I'm not using you. If I find myself worried, I am considering God unfaithful to what he promised. Now think about this for a moment. Why would you worry when you have God's promise? Why would you think something won't happen when God said it would? Amen. Why would you think something evil and bad can happen or will happen when he said no evil will befall you? Amen. So for my faith to be productive, I have to consider him faithful. Notice there in Hebrews 11, 
Back over in Hebrews 11, verse 32. Am I helping you tonight? If I'm helping you, give the Lord a big amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Samson and Jephthah, David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Now notice this. I'm close to wrapping it up. I'm starting to wrap it up. They subdued kingdoms by faith. Now how does that apply to us? There are things in our lives that have to be subdued. There are things in your life that have to be taken charge of. They have to be brought into submission. Ever what it may be. You may be watching me tonight, even online or in the sanctuary. And, and, and maybe there's a fear that needs to be brought into submission. It needs to be subdued. You've got to do it by faith. Amen. A couple weeks ago, I had everybody stand up that was believing for debt freedom. And we believed God with you. There are debts that have to be subdued. There are things that have to be taken care of. How are you going to do that? By faith. Anything you do by faith will be rewarded. Anything you do by faith will be rewarded. Amen. By faith, subdue what you need. By faith, take authority over it. By faith, bring it into submission. And here's why. The impossibility of the situation can only be overcome by faith. If it looks impossible, it can only be overcome by faith. If it needs to change and it looks like it can't, it can only change through faith. Amen. That's why you never, never say, I don't understand how I can. By faith. I can 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 by faith. Never say, I don't understand how I can. I don't understand how I can come out of debt. By faith. I don't understand how my body can be well. By faith. I don't understand how this can change. By faith. Never, under, uh, never say, I don't understand how I can. Always say, I can by faith. Everything you need costs the same amount. It costs faith. It's all it costs. I can by faith. The more we stay in faith about it, and the more we pursue it by faith, the easier it starts to look. The more we stay in faith about it, and the more we pursue it by faith, the easier it starts to look. When God asked me to step off my job, now understand what I'm saying. Very often we tell, we, 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 we ministers, we tell stories, and, and we should, especially pastors, but... Uh, we leave out some of the, some of the, the, the uh, uh, preparation phase. And I, I'll talk about stepping off my job. The Lord saying, February 22nd, 1999 is the last day on your job. And I stepped off my job, stepped into full-time ministry. But for months, 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 probably the better part of a year or over a year before that, I was building my faith on the Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul said, or 1 Corinthians 8, where Paul said, they that preach the gospel will live of the gospel. Because my challenge at that time was financial. If, if I'm ever going to be in full-time ministry, how will I take care of my family? Because that's my first calling, is to my family. Paul said, any that doesn't provide for his own household is worse than an infidel. And so my first calling is to take care of my family, to provide for my family. And so I was preaching. I was assistant pastor at a church, and I was ministering, and, and I was getting a small, very small salary from that. But here's my point. I thought to myself, Lord, obviously this is not enough money 
to take care of my family. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't getting paid weekly. Well, I was getting paid weekly, very weekly. But what I mean is I wasn't getting a weekly check. I was getting a monthly check. And if I remember, it was, it was three, three or $400. I think closer to $300, about $300. Well, I mean, I, I, I was not the pastor, but the point that I'm making is I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, Lord, I can't take care of my family uh, uh, on this. And he took me to that scripture. I read that scripture and it said, they that preach the gospel will live with the gospel. Man, I, I, I wrote that out on a yellow legal pad with a black magic marker and put it on the wall. Uh, behind the desk that I studied on in our, in our rinky-dink basement that we had in that house, that rent house. And every day, I'd walk and see that. Every night when I would go down there to pray and seek the Lord, I would see that. They that preach the gospel will live with the gospel. I'm telling you something. That got so big on the inside of me that there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that if I was preaching the gospel, I would live with the gospel. No doubt in my mind. Now fast forward to the day that the Lord said to me, I was already pastoring, pastoring, I was bivocational at the time. We started pastoring December of 98, the end of December of 98. So I, I'm December of 98, the latter part, the last few weeks of December, uh, into January and all of February. All right, I'm, I'm working and pastoring and working and pastoring. And the Lord spoke to me towards the end of January of 1999 and said to me, your last day on your job will be February 22nd, 1999. I gave my notice. When I stepped off my job, it seemed like it was the most logical, easy thing in the world. Why? I stayed in faith about it, and the more I pursued it by faith, the easier it started to look. Because I became convinced. Faith will make what seems impossible a reality. Because it is the substance of things. And it will make what seems impossible a reality. If you spend all of your time leaning towards the stack of debt and the stack of bills and looking at the numbers and looking at the figures and the amount of money that it would take to be debt free, if that's what you're consistently leaning towards, it's going to look harder, it's going to look more difficult, it's going to look more challenging. But when you spend your time not ignoring it, but you spend your time leaning towards the Word of God and leaning towards what God said, faith will eventually begin to make what seems impossible a reality. You'll start seeing ways it can be done. Things will start coming into your life because now you are absolutely convinced that God said, I want you to be out of debt. I want you to be financially prosperous. And what seems to be impossible will be a reality. And not only a reality, but simple and easy. We are not called to struggle. We're called to walk in victory. We're called to walk victorious. So as I'm closing, what are you giving your attention to? What has your attention? He said, we'll have to make a stand. We'll have to make a decision. And he said, if we'll stand for and on the word, that's what will make the difference. Amen. Well, Pastor, I, I, I feel like I've kind of moved away from some things I was real strong about. Well, get strong about them again. Get strong again. If you got strong once, you can get strong again. That, that's something I've learned. People say, well, I used to do this and... And, and, you know, I used to this, and, 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 and I used to exercise, or I used to do this, or I used to, to whatever, but, you know, I haven't done it in a while, and, and, and I'm not where I used to be, but you can get back where you were. But remember what it took. Folks, I need you to see this. 
I do a disservice to this word if I'm only in it to preach to you. This has got to be our life. This is the end all be all right here. This is everything. I said this is everything. Jesus said the words I speak to you, they are spirit and life. Amen. This is not a devotional book. This is not something that, that, that we do just as Christians to complete a sacred duty. This is where you find out how to live. This is what you give your attention to. This is what has to hold your attention. Amen. So faith will make what seems impossible a reality. And not only a reality, but simple and easy. Hallelujah.